and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me this week is PDS Academy Director and Basie Trainer James Bennett. On this episode, we will look at the history that's been made by the unstoppable force that is Michaela Schifrin, and Henrik Christofferson returns to winning ways before looking ahead to next weekend where the ladies' tech tour rolls on in Killington, USA, and it's time for the men to dust off those longboards as we return to Lake Louise for men's speed races. James, welcome to the pod. We've no, got you. to start with the ladies' slalom race from Levy last Saturday. What was your take on that race? I mean, the biggest thing to take home from it is not just that she's taken the new record, 41 wins, overtaken Stenmark. She, she won both runs comfortably, didn't really make a sweat. And on such a big occasion, that says a lot about like, what she's done in the past, but also about like, how long she's got left to go in the future. I know, she was talking about it in the finish area when she was getting interviewed afterwards and she was she said that she didn't even realize that record was on the cards today i think she's she's one of those that tries to steer clear of it to not get caught up in all of these sort of because otherwise she'll be she's breaking records left right and center isn't she so she's if she's trying to keep her on top of all the records that she's breaking then uh, then she's going to be a busy lady but yeah she absolutely dominated the only person that got close was on the first run which was petra vlahova who went she got a little bit unlucky with the draw. Schifrin had bib one, Vlahova had bib seven. So, you know, cut up track for Vlahova. She came down and she was very close after the first run. I think it was within a tenth. And then all of a sudden she, uh, uh, Vlahova, last lady left in the start gate, knew Schifrin had an absolute flyer mm. uh, and the pressure was really on. And Vlahova just uh, putting a foot wrong, you know, millimeter action and that was it. Her day was done and Schifrin took the win by an incredible margin. Yeah, 1.78 seconds. I mean, it's, like, it goes to show what, it's, just, it's a lot of time. Yeah. And at that level, it's a ridiculous amount of time. I mean, you said it all the time with people like Hirscher by winning by like two seconds. And yeah, it well, just think, shows that how long she's got to go. Well, I think the, men, the men's podium which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think that was only covered by, it was covered by less yeah, 18, than two tenths. Yeah, 18, 16, 18, 18, 18, 18 something like that, yeah. yeah. So less than two tenths for the whole men's podium. Schifrin absolutely dominated. Wendy Holdner, forever missing out on her top step. She still hasn't managed to win a World Cup slalom. 23 podiums she's had. Not one of those has been on the top step yet. Mm. It's got to be coming soon. Well... You could argue that it might not come very soon if, <laughs> if, uh, yeah. if things stay as they are. I know, but you, you've got to think that Schifrin is unstoppable. Wendy Holdner, her, all of her consistency, she's getting multiple disciplines and she's got to be... I don't know, you've, you, want, you wanted to get over that hurdle, don't you? She's got to get this win soon. Um, and I think the ladies are really struggling for, for slalom form for the, on the Swiss side of things. Um, not quite got it, but somebody who did step up for the first time, getting her first World Cup podium, is Katarina Trooper from Austria, managing to finish in third. She uh, skied very tidy, she was very aggressive, moved up on the second run, she risked a lot on the second leg, and, and she just managed to uh, hold it all together. She had a little moment when she looked like she was going inside, right on that steep pitch, and, uh, and that was... Uh, but then it's the risk-reward. We'll talk about it again, we'll talk about that later when we... Uh, touch on Dave's riding's uh, mm. unfortunate turn of events on that second run but you've got to risk if you want to get the reward 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of shown by some of the resor- results that you had further down. So in ninth place, you had Martina uh, Dubrovska from Czech, who's who basically come from number 56 all the way through to ninth with like, basically an amazing performance. And there's a couple of those performances coming in from people with big BIM numbers coming in and making top 15. Well, you have to charge. And what a great example. BIM 56, Dubrovska, she... I remember watching her ski down. She's got a very sort of hunched over style, very sort of Mario Matt-esque, that that's taller lady that's trying to steer low to the ground and get that centre of gravity moving further mm-hmm. forward. And she just risked it all again. And that's the thing, we talked about it in previous pods, that if you want to get into the all-important World Cup start list group, you have to take advantage because it actually takes quite a long time for you to get in. It takes some time for you to build up enough points for you to warrant, uh, for you to accumulate enough so that you do then start getting picked on your World Cup points as opposed to your Fizz points, which is what she would have started on today. But a top 10 really taking advantage. I think she was in about 15th or so after the first run and still managed to move forward with such a high bib number was pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, if you look at the times of second run, obviously um, Schifrin was still like leagues leagues ahead unfortunately but yeah she started a great second run which still pulled her back up the pack and it's still almost four seconds off uh, overall time mm. but that's going to put you in in ninth position i mean you position. take you take shifrin out of that and that's nearly two seconds off that yeah. and all of a sudden that looks a little bit a little bit nicer on the uh, on the results list but actually event essentially even it doesn't really matter how far you are off it's all about the points. No one's looking at, at how far off you were. If you're in ninth and you're, you know, just under four seconds off, you're still ninth in a World Cup. Uh, but Schifrin getting her fourth reindeer. You know, when you get a reindeer, did you know that, James? I did know that. Yeah, so she's now got a new reindeer. I was going to ask you if you know what it's called, but you do know what it's called because I already told you what it's called. Well, I wasn't listening. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. She's named her reindeer Stenmark. Oh, that's quite nice. Her fourth reindeer. So that's... Uh, what happens to the reindeer? So they must take, she can't take it with her. No, I don't think you can put that in your hand luggage. No. <laughs> Have it walking on the plane. Now, I think they stay there. I don't know how long reindeer live for, actually. Have you only, just idea? before Christmas, I think. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think... Let's, let's say that those ones are uh, uh, pets. Maybe, maybe, pets Sa- maybe Santa Claus uses them. Father Christmas has a use for those. Um, another little quick shout out I wanted to make was actually for Paula Maltzen. So another American skier. She's just snuck inside the top 20. It's nice to see another American. She's a relative youngster and getting some sort of moves in the right direction. Schifrin being this huge, great, big superstar. I think it must be relatively tricky for any of the American ladies to, to not be in her shadow and to have another American athlete coming forward and making steps. She did a few good results last season and this is a great springboard to net this coming season. So hopefully that's going to be enough for her to sort of start pushing up. She started outside the uh, top 20 and moved inside the top 20. So steps in the right direction for her and it's all about trying to make sure that, you know, Schifrin isn't the only name on Americans' lips. I like the way you used relative youngster there. Are you relative to who? Uh, the World Cup field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, re- relative youngster, 1994. 
I mean, it seems like a youngster to me. But yeah, well, you're old, aren't you? So well, younger than you, marginal. Um, <laughs> so yeah, nice to see um, that they're, they're having another athlete in there. So let's now. Oh, uh, just before we move on, Charlie Guest. We had a Brit racing. Had a great start number off the back of her uh, excellent performance last season, winning Europa Cup finals. Uh, so she started just outside the thirty in thirty second place. Had some pretty quick top splits as well. Like things were looking quite good, um, and then fell foul of the terrain, unfortunately. Yeah, that terrain they've built that in. So they were saying in in the commentary how the whole piece of Levy Black has been evolving. And this season they put in that, I think it's the third roller that was there. That was the really sharp one. That was mm. the one that caught out Charlie well, It's not Guest. even a roller, it's more of a drop. But it is almost, yeah, it is a drop. Like, and uh, and another roller on the steep section as well. So they've tried to, you know, they're evolving. And actually, I think it's great. It's a good spectacle. Mm. I think actually it's probably a tiny bit too abrupt. Yeah, um, it almost looks a little bit like, um, so you know the jewel, like the city jewel. Oh, yeah, 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 like, like a drop down drop sort of thing. Um, it was very, very abrupt. But uh, and frustratingly... She, um, Charlie skied really, really well on the top. That's not the frustrating part. Um, but it was that she fell foul of this roller um, after I think she was in inside the top 20, 16, something like 16. that, at the split just before the roll. And then, I don't know, just it's annoying because she knows she knew it would have been coming. She would have looked at the TV. This TV's in the start area mm. and just unable to have... Uh, thought of a plan to, to deal with it. Mm. I mean, I wonder whether she's had a lot of back issues and I haven't spoken to Charlie, so I can't confirm this, but I wonder whether the fact that all these back issues that she's had means that her back is maybe a bit stiff. And when you're trying to make such a big move over something that is very, very abrupt, yeah. uh, I, I wonder whether that may be... Relying on just like legs and or knees and hips rather yeah. than being able to... It's a whole body move, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a big, big role. So... It's what it does do. It's an, it's another thing that you know you got to try and take the positives. And she was quick on top, and she certainly looks like she belonged there for the small amount of time that we did see her on telly. So hopefully, that is a, a kickstart yeah. to her and a good sign of things to come this season. Exactly, exactly. Uh, on to the men's. So, oh, where to start? Where to start with that? And and. We, we start with Dave. I think or? we've got to start with Dave. We've got to start with Dave. Uh, James, you and I were watching it together um, in a in a restaurant up on um, Hinterstux Glacier, Glacier, surrounded by Austrians. Um, and I I can't remember the last time I was that nervous hmm. watching a sporting event on TV. Uh, Dave, being in second place after the first run, had moved up from bib fifteen to. Uh, just under four tenths behind Clement Noel, who had an absolute belting first run. And I just thought, I thought I was convinced it was going to be Dave's time. I, I was convinced that this was going to be his first victory, GB's first ever World Cup victory. Um, and he was absolutely motoring. Hands down, there is nobody that can touch Dave Riding on a flat. No chance. No. And... Uh, and then he just didn't quite have the rhythm change from that flat top section over onto the steep. He'd lost, he built, I think just before he rolled over onto steep, he'd built up to nearly eight tenths of an advantage over Christofferson, 
who eventually did win, uh, but the leader at the finish at the time. Uh, and then through just after the steep, he had a couple of moments where just lost the tempo, lost that rhythm and in very tricky conditions. It was bucketing down for those of yeah. you that didn't see it. The snow wasn't quite as hard because I think it was only about one or two degrees. I don't think it was even freezing up there, which is sort of unheard of, really. No. The, the, like, the main like steep part of the track actually held up fairly well. It's like an exit hairpin to exit left, I think it was. And then there was like four kind of bogey gates after that, then into a roller. And he came out of that pretty solid. And there was one other, one other race, I can't remember who it was, but essentially had the same thing happen. There was just a little rut, inside foot rut, that essentially picked up inside ski once that happened. It was just always a case of moving that little bit inside yeah. and being dragged away from the line. Oh, but it was, it was cr- crushing. Uh, and I really feel, I feel for Dave because it's fast becoming a bogey race for him, having two years ago should have won in reality fell uh, mm. and I spoke to him in the summer on the podcast guys if you haven't listened to the Dave Roden podcast make sure you have a listen because he is brutally honest with his with his position in ski racing brutally honest with his plan of attack and very sort of wearing his heart on his sleeve in terms of what he's about this season and moving far enough further forward and he talked about Levy and talked about how it took him a long time to get over uh, what he saw as a missed opportunity uh, and I spoke to him briefly yesterday after the race and he it, it was pretty gutted that you know obviously a great opportunity but uh, but he is also somebody that will if he's not careful he, it'll let him it'll sit on him for a bit so I'm hoping that the team around him with Tristan and Jai and and Laurie Taylor, teammate, and, and his friends and family, that this one can be parked. Because, do you know what was the positives about Dave's race? Is this, you know, since his switch back to Dina Star, this is the first time that he's been, you know, really in a position to win. And he was in a position to win this race. And I think those are the positive steps of when, you know, the second place at Kitzbühel was on his old brand, it was on Fisher. Mm. And last season found the equipment, it took him a long time to get to grips with the equipment. So now, hopefully, with this positive, you know, from a negative, but the positives that he's now believes that he can he can do it on the brand that he's there with and showed that he's going to do it. Yeah, I think that listening to him from the, from the summer and kind of watching some stuff that he was talking about, it's essentially... Yeah, he talked about the idea of laying down two runs, two clean runs, two runs where you're actually going for it. Not one run where he's going for it and getting in the mix and then another run holding on. But, you know, to win a World Cup slalom, you know, even now that Hirsch has moved away, it's still the case. You've still got to lay down two awesome yeah. runs. So the good things are that he, he went for it. He didn't, he Did didn't hold away. back. No. Didn't, you know, didn't ski it easy on the top section at all. Didn't kind of rest on what he already had from the first run and went looking for more. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that it played out the way it did but I think that's actually a positive rather than a negative because it shows that he's willing to go right okay well actually I don't need to get to the bottom absolutely I think think as long as you take that you know in the right direction then there's certainly very big positives to take from this Uh, but back to the to the finish the actual podium so Daniel moved up to take another podium becoming very, very consistent on the World Cup. Clement Noel slipped back from after leading on the first run. And then uh, Henrik Christofferson, who went from fourth to first, took finally took 
another World Cup win. James, I, was, I told you this earlier before we went live. The last time he won a World Cup slalom was in Kitzbühel, 2018. Which is a long time ago, which, when you it, think about it. Yeah, which is a lot. For somebody that's as good as Henrik Christofferson mm. and has won as many World Cups as he's won. And has won as many like splits as he's won yeah, like, last year. And been, for the past sort of few seasons, really seen as, apart from the last season, mm. but in the previous sort of few seasons before that, the only person that could really take it to Hirscher in slalom, for his last win to be back in January 2018. Someone's got to be dominating for that to happen. <laughs> well, well, we've talked about it in pods gone by about Hirscher not being there. And Dave, again, in the podcast I did with him, talked about how the Hirscher factor is real. Like yeah. when you turn up to races, Hirscher is expected to win. And Christofferson mm. would have felt that exactly the same. And so all of a sudden, you're right. You know, you talked, you just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. You're expecting to come second or like fighting for second place, even though actually you you're all be. yeah i mean you're almost hoping for a bad day mm. and so christopherson stepped up to the plate moved up put the hammer down from the fourth to first on that second run but surprisingly um wasn't very quick on the flats he did all his work he did all his time on the steep and that was where he won that race yeah. and he was inch perfect oh, you he know the entrance to the steep yeah, and then the exit as well. He was very, he was very clean, and that sort of feather touch that we're used to seeing him from that delicate, easy sort of transitioning slalom scheme that we're used to seeing from Christofferson seems to have returned after a bit of a hump of the uh, in Solden didn't quite go his way in GS, and he's now concentrating a lot on GS as well. And I think he, it's a big, big step for him to start the season off and to remind people that he is as good as mm. he is. Uh, somebody that missed out on proving and showing how good he is in slalom was Alexi Pantero, who missed the second run. He was too slow to get a second run. And uh, it wasn't like he made a bunch no, of mistakes. No, there was no big, like, no big errors. It's just holding on a little bit too much. Yeah. Which is really surprising. I, I was massively surprised. You know, you look at the bookies, you listen to experts talking about it, and he was expected to be in the top 10. Mm. Wouldn't it have surprised me if he had some kind of setup issue? Because it didn't look, by watching his run, it didn't look like, like him particularly. No, and I've seen some videos of the training that he was doing in Reiterarm in Austria mm. um, just before Levy, and he was absolutely flying, absolutely flying. Uh, and I'd be interested to hear if, he comes out and sort of not makes an excuse in terms of you could know this injury, guy's making excuses but in terms of I wonder if there is a legit reason behind it I'll tell you who we will speak to Marcel Mathis who comes on the pod because his dad is Alexi Pantero's technician so we'll get the low down okay. and bring that scoop maybe we won't say that it was the skis then oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah that's true <laughs> Marcel definitely wasn't the skis no definitely had an injury yeah. we're, going, we're going injury but yeah that leads us into someone that did have a flyer of a second run which is um, Christopher Jakobsen. So he started number 51 and actually ended up half a second off. So he ended up in sixth place, half a second off. And then compare that to like the differences in the women's slalom, uh, you know, how tight that is, but also how can someone come from 51, make it all the way into sixth place, but still not actually be that far off. Just shows how kind of competitive yeah, another, the Yeah, Swede, rel another relative youngster. If you, is that a class? Can I say yeah, that? Am I allowed to yeah, keep yeah, with relative yeah. youngster? Yeah. Okay, cool. Another 1994 bear. Uh, Jakobsen, quickest on the second run. Yep. Showed all of those 
seasoned pros how to do it. Yeah, moved up, sat in the winner's enclosure for a long time uh, and the Swede pushing everyone all the way. Another racer that did do quite well on the second round, uh, another good flyer, was Lena Strasser, Bib 47. I don't know if you remember, James. He won a parallel a few, a couple of seasons ago, parallel GS, I think. It was oh, yeah, a parallel he, GS. I remember, uh, like, it was he the one that knocked out Hirscher. I think he did knock out Hirscher, like, in the so in one the of the pre-lands. early rounds. Yeah. I think it, all of a sudden Hirscher was, it was in the early days of the parallel stuff, so everyone expected Hirscher to, to yeah. dominate that, he like he does never. everything else. And Lena Strasser then had a, picked up an injury, so it's good to see another racer sort of pushing the boundaries. And we saw quite a few of the guys coming from outside the 30 and really charging into the 30. Bib 70, Filip Zubcic, the Croatian, uh, Bib 70 into 16th. And likewise, we saw some high numbers go out. We already talked about Pantro. um, He didn't make second run, but Manuel Feller from Bib 3 into 15th. The person I was a bit disappointed about, but he's coming back from injury, is Marco Schwarz. You know, World Cup winner, previously started 15 and ended up down in the 20s which is a bit of a shame in his comeback from an injury which he picked up in Bansko last year so just another guy that's maybe feeding his way and race rusty is the thing you know these guys can train as much as you like and anybody that's done any sort of racing it whether it's skiing or in anything you need to get time racing when it matters you can do fake races and set up you know fake sort of race days in training there's but. also a lot to be said for the fact that, you know, they would have slipped and prepped that course and they did some, obviously had the TV breaks and they had a little bit of prepping going on whilst the race was running. But that's, you know, well over half an hour of a lot of snow falling. Yeah. So early runners, so the guys just sneaking in there from, you know, your, your bit 50s, 60s, 70s, they're going to have quite a big advantage and just shows what can be done on the day like that. We spoke about the American charge for the women's side, obviously with Schifrin, and mm-hmm. I was really surprised to see only one American starter in Levy, and it's a, a guy who I don't know very much about. His name's Luke Winters, and he was bib 40. He's about 21 or 22 based on his year of birth. Surprising. I think we touched on it before about the whole collegiate system and how there's so many... I'm not sure I can say there's so many foreigners in there without sounding like I'm... Or it attracts a lot of... It attracts, attracts a lot of races yeah, from, from around the world. from around the world. So we system. don't necessarily... So the American guys and, li- and girls, I mean, guys as in athletes, are missing out on spots. So I wonder whether that's, you know, a victim of their own success in terms of their attracting these guys and girls from all over the globe. Well, you've got a lot of people that are, say, from a national team that isn't strong or doesn't have the funding... Yeah, if their parents have the funding, then, you know, an American college is an education and it's a and it's a second language and it's also then an opportunity to keep racing. Yes, and so so uh, he unfortunately didn't make second run, but uh, let's hope we see more of him. Another nod to the Brits, Laurie Taylor. Another unfortunate DNF for him in that first run. Again, quick on the top section. I think we've, we the Brits like a, like a little flat top <laughs> section. We haven't got the mountains or the snow, but we haven't de- definitely don't have the mountains here. Um, so he was very quick on top. Another guy that was putting in some really good splits in those first couple across the flats at the top, but then just uh, unfortunately didn't have the run he wanted to make it all the way down to the bottom and stick it in the finish with a second round. That elusive second run still just out of reach 
Okay, right, let's move on to next weekend's action as now we're into the winter proper, races are coming thick and fast. So the ladies are racing in Killington in Vermont. On the Saturday, they're racing GS and Sunday, they're racing slalom. It's, uh, it's going to be cold up there. So the snow is going to be pretty firm underfoot and hopefully will hold up so we'll see some good second, some good charges from outside the 30. It's going to be very, very, very difficult to look past Schifrin in her own backyard. Yeah, I mean, ranked one in three disciplines for the last kind of 16 fizz point lists from just looking earlier. To not bet on her would seem like a, a slightly silly decision. But you've got, uh, we've got no Alice Robinson racing, who was the surprise victor in the opening GS in Solden. She picked up a knock just after Solden doing some training. So uh, it's nothing too severe. I think she's just decided that it's a long way for one GS because we're back racing GS in Europe after, uh, after Killington. So I think with a bit of a knock, it makes sense for her and her coaching team to, to, to miss out, out on that one. So that really, really does leave the door open for Schifrin. I don't know if anybody can get close to her. Last year in Killington, though, Schifrin was off the podium, which was a huge surprise. Last year saw Brianoni take the win, Ragenhin Movinkel coming in in second, and Stephanie Bruner from Austria taking third place with, uh, yeah, Schifrin in fourth. So that was a real turn up for the books. I'd be very, very surprised if Schifrin lets that one happen again. Uh, and on that note, Jamesy, you're not betting against her, are you? I wouldn't bet against her. So not in, in the, 100% not in the slalom. In the GS, now that there's no Alex Robinson, I think I'd still always lean that, lean that way. I'd still always lean towards Schifrin. It is really, really hard to look forward. Look past her for the win uh, but obviously I'm not going to choose the same as you uh, so I am go I would have said you know we seem to only have only be Vlahova as the alternative um, but she wasn't on form in Solden but then she is going to have a bit of a point to prove after a subpar Solden and falling in Levy but uh, lady of consistency and a nod to Ben who's a uh, who's back home in London, so he can't join us on the pod. I'm going to steal what I'm sure is going to be his pick, and I'm just going to say Tessa Worley. Lady, full of consistency. She was third in Solden behind Schifrin and Robinson, and um, and she's got to be there or thereabouts. So I'm sure Ben would probably agree with me there. Uh, and then on to the slalom for the ladies. Again... You're not looking hard. There's no. I mean, it's almost. It's almost more of a dead cert than than here she used to be. I mean, what's her What's her record now? How many has she won on the trot? Oh, on the trot. I I don't know. I'm not sure on the trot. Because it was it was a lot last season. Was it not almost every slalom? Well, Vlahova took a couple off her last year in slalom. She's got to be the only person, and and off those results there from Levy, she went winning Levy by best part of two seconds and winning second run winning second run through some pretty bouncy conditions mm. but I'll I'll sort of go with the only real alternative that I can see has got to be Vlahova for the slalom side but I I can't see anybody getting close Trupe who took the th who took third place in Levy is she going to step up is she going to improve two seconds in Schifrin and Schifrin's backyard I don't think so Anna Sven Larsson I expected a little bit more of in Levy 
but again, is she going to step up and take the top step? I can't see it. I really, really can't. The only person who's getting close to Schifrin at the moment in slalom is Vlahova. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's got to be Vlahova. Yeah, if she can, and, she can lay two runs down, then she's got a shot. Oh, for sure. But Schifrin, superstar, because she's now a megastar, you know, even more of a megastar than she's ever been before. You know, the, the press is eating up the fact that she's now 41 World Cup victories, most ever of anybody in World Cup. And still fits into that relatively young category. Still a relatively young racer. So that is going to bring some pressure at some point. At the moment, she doesn't seem to be affected by what the press is saying, being affected by what's going on around her. And long may that continue. But surely at some point, somebody so young can't keep that bottled up, can they? I think... I think they can if that's their kind of the way they've been so far. I think the the more likely thing to to happen is potentially some some form of injury or something along those lines will be what ends up. But her team, away. but her team around her, they're so they're so clever. In, without that's not me being condescending, but they're so clever in terms of like you know they started picking races last year. They didn't want to do races where they thought that she may be tired and be more susceptible to injuries. They seem to pick and choose stuff. And they just seem to be on top of everything. And when you've got two seconds on most of the rest of the field... Well, they must be thinking the same thing, which is the the most likely thing. The most likely threat at the moment to her in the short term is for sure injury. Yeah. Which is burning out, doing too many races. Which they seem to be well on top of. (laughs) Uh, So, yes... Yeah, Schifrin all the way, really, in reality. Yeah, it moment. might be different. If there was someone else that was, you know, knocking on the door, like, regularly, or that, I mean, I know that we've had Alice Robinson in GS. The Hover in Slalom. Holdner, still yet to break her World Cup duck. Um, but still, when it comes to the consistent, who are you going to look at? Or who do you look at when you look at past results? Who's who's always... It's always Schifrin. Yeah. Always, always, always. Um, so, yeah. I think could be a good day for the Americans in... Vermont next weekend. Uh, let's, what do you think about when you're looking at the men's then? Let's yeah, let's move over to Lake Louise. Oh, good old Lake Louise. Very cold over there, and especially when you're going fast. <laughs> you you moan about being cold over here. Oh yeah, I've got cold feet most of the time. Lake Louise. Time to go fast. None mm. of this two-run malarkey. Get it done in one run, uh, and it's downhill action on Saturday and Super G action on Sunday. I'm buzzing for the start of the speed tour. I can't wait to see the gladiators, you know, the real, you know, the big boys strapping on their gear and uh, and battling. Well, you would see it that way, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course, of course. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, although, um, Ben, obviously, Ben from the pod, he messaged me or on Twitter, he tw- tweeted at me and said that surely I must concede that slalom is more exciting than downhill after watching uh, Levy and being on the edge of our seats watching Levy with Dave. And I, I have to admit, in a moment of madness, I agreed with him. But now, oh. now the dust has settled and, and I've got my head screwed on. It's down all the way. I'm sorry, Ben, I'm taking it back. You can't take it back. <laughs> I, I think a big part of that is obviously having more like a, feel like you're invested in the race because of like Dave being there. And it's only going to be a little while or, you know, if we get that point or we have that kind of investment in downhill Super G, then it will bring that excitement back to it. But at the moment, for me, like slalom, slalom all the way. Yeah, yeah. It's only because you're, 
you know, because you're small. <laughs> <laughs> I need to got to get, get, the, get some kilos if we were going to send you a bit, bit quicker down there, yeah. Jamesy. Even even if you wanted to down, we'd probably have to have a few less kilos. Oh, that's cold, cold, <laughs> harsh. Oh, really harsh. Um, but yeah, Lake Louise, one of the uh, one of the best in terms of you know that season opener. Everybody that's interested in speed waits for Lake Louise. You know, that's the tape on the face because it's so cold, the tape on the nose because it's freezing. And it's nice to see. And it tends to be good racing. It tends to be relatively tight because it's not the most difficult of hills. Mm. So it always sort of lends itself to some close racing. Well, there's like, there's key gates on there. So you've got a lot of, got a bit of gliding. I mean, actually, well, wouldn't it be a bad idea? What, well, how, do you, how did you feel when you skied it? Uh, I, I, I loved it. One, because it's the first World Cup of the season, so you, you're, you're itching to, like I say, put on all the gear and, and get to racing. But it's this top section, very steep out at the start, but it's not it's it's straight, so it's, there isn't an awful lot going on. A couple of rolly sections, then you've got another steep bit, then a rolly flat, and then it's when you switch on. It's that middle section where you come through Coach's Corner, you've got a big a left-footed jump you land and then you've got the big a net on your left hand side and you've got all the coaches sort of standing on the on the right hand side up in towards the trees and then you've got you come around this big so you land off that jump you've got a sort of shimmy right and then you've got a long left as it brings you right round next to the a net and then it brings you onto a right foot just as you dive onto that next steep section and then it's sort of you're in doing sort of 60 70 80 miles an hour as you come off that right foot into the dark on the left and then it's all about that glide all about carrying as much speed as you can from that uh, big it's called C turn um, and it comes onto the flat and trying to carry as much speed as you can all the way down to the bottom of the flat it's not the most tricky but it is one of the most fun mm. and so we are definitely definitely in for a treat last year Lake Louise in the downhill Max Franz took the win Christoph Innerhofer was in second and Dominic Paris picked up the final step on the podium, uh, the big fella from Italy. Whether we're going to see that again this year remains to be seen. Obviously, downhill training runs haven't quite started yet, but they're all going to be itching to get going. And Dominic Paris was in awesome form through the last two thirds of last season, putting result after result after result. And he's certainly going to be in the mix. How much do you put in, or how much like faith do you put into training run results? Not, not a load. I mean, the best of the best. You know, you're sort of top ten in the world. Those guys have been doing it for long enough that they don't really need to do the training runs. They're not there, sort of working stuff out. They've been going for long enough. Maybe more so, to see what the conditions. Yeah, are like they're just the feeling. You know, the tech, they're having good conversations with the technicians. They're working out which grind they want to use. They're working about out which flex feels the best on the current snow conditions. What edge angle they want to use. Which base bevel they're going to go for, and then. So they'll do that for the first training run. The second training run will be about wax. The technicians will be looking at wax. And the best of the best will be cruising down the, that last section. They'll probably, out the start, they'll cruise. Then they'll switch on for a couple of turns as you come through that first little sort of technical section. Then they'll switch off again. They'll be on it through that coach's corner section into C-turn, all of that sort of stuff, because that's the real key sections. And then that last final gliding section, they won't want to be giving anything away in terms of split times, in terms of... Um, anything that they've been working on through the summer so they'll be keeping their hands close to their chest but as you sort of go further down the, the list further down the starting order those those guys 
of pushing hard. Whenever I was doing training runs, um, I was always pushing hard because I needed to feel what it was like at that pace. At that pace. Yeah. Whereas the best of the best, those guys know what it's like to ski at pace. They've been doing it for 15 years. So they don't need to, but the rest of the guys will be pushing. And some of them will be going, they'll be up for, for, for quality spots as well. With it being the first race of the year, there'll be guys in there that are wanting to race. And, you know, the big nations will have too many athletes to start spots. So, so they'll, they'll be using it as, like as a bit of a time trial. Yeah. Because the summer's obviously been hard. And like we've already spoke about in the pod, that the you can't replicate races really in training. So the, the fairest way is to do it when it matters. And so that's what those guys will be looking at. How many days are we out from the start of the first training runs? Uh, first training run, I think, is Wednesday. So we're only two days. Today's Monday. Uh, so yeah, a couple of days out from the first training run. The snow's cold. It looks pretty good out there. As usual, it's this sort of crisp, dry snow that we're, we're very used to seeing. They've got the injection bar already on it. Um, it does get slick, really slick through the injected parts. So I remember barely being able to stop on inspection. Um, just because of how much water they pump into the paste. But then they only do that through the real crucial, sort of the tougher turn sections, then they'll leave sort of more natural snow conditions through the sort of uh, flatter sections that don't need it. It's not going to rot up on the flatter sections, so I'm not going to chop up. No, no. Uh, So, comes down to downhill. What do you reckon? You always make a call. Cool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm thinking, yeah, Foyts. Now, like, look at look at last year, and this is a little bit looking at, like, training runs and results from last year. Again, was always downhill, always top 10, always solid, always consistent. You know, won one, won one of the training runs last year and then went on to win Beaver Creek like, five days later. Yeah. So, you know, quite likes North America. I think I'll, I'll put him as my pick for... Down. Yeah, I think that I, I, I do like that shout. He was definitely somebody I was looking at to, to choose for the win. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm going to go with um, Dominic Paris. I think that his experience, his power, he's... And like most recent form. Yeah, and yeah, most recent in terms of, yeah, obviously last season's form. But he, I think he is, he's still hungry for it. He still seems to have that love. He still has that big huge smile on his face he still loves winning he still loves working hard who I am interested in so that's my pick but who I am interested in seeing back is Thomas Dressen from the German team he crashed and did his knee and something to his shoulder I think it was in Beaver Creek last year after winning in Kitzbühel the previous year so he is a big favourite of mine big dude he's a big strong man uh, and I'd be interested and I really hope that he's able to find that form again and pick up sort of where he left off with with decent results uh, in late Louise last year as well as good training run results. Yeah. And who have you got when it comes to then the Super G? Oh, the Super G. Um, so last year's Super G was won by Jettel Jansrud. Kriegmeier was in second and Maro Kavietzel was in third uh, and I am going to go with Kriegmeier he's one of my favourites I actually end up picking him quite a lot in Super G so I just love the way he skis he's not a huge man he's obviously very strong very talented and he just seems to have like a really really nice touch great roll up on his skis very dynamic through the turn and incredibly quick 
Um, so I am going to say Kriegmeier. Okay. And I'm, you? What, what, where's your... I'm going to go with Matthias Meyer. Mm-hmm. Due to the fact that, again, he's solid top 10 like consistency from last year. And actually, at Lake Louise last year, he had some good performance. I think he was six. But he's that little bit younger than the, some of the guys that are regularly on the podium. Is he relatively young? Relatively, relatively young. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like still, still going to be hungry for it and probably possibly going into like after a long, long summer, uh, you know, will be quite, quite keen to get the first one. Oh, certainly will. The Austrians, the speed team will be looking to pick up where the tech team have sort of failed. Yeah. You know, no Austrians are challenging. Are challenging in the te- in so far in the tech disciplines. We haven't seen any of them on the men's side. We've had a couple of, we've had um, obviously Truppe, who finished in third on the ladies' side. And actually, the ladies' performances over the last, certainly in Levy and in um, Solden, were a bit more exciting from an Austrian point of view than the men. So I think the men have got some work to do on the tech side and I certainly think that um, the Austrians are coming in going to be coming in hot so you picked an Austrian I picked an Austrian um, and I think that is where we are I think that's where we're going to see a winner from but it's wide open and it's really tricky to pick at this stage of the season obviously uh, no British representation unfortunately we've got uh, Jack Gower who crashed in uh, training over the summer and I think he broke his hip Oof. yeah nasty one so he's not going to be around for a little while yeah so that's going to be a tough break for him so he broke his broke his hip as in yeah he dislocated he, he crashed and dislocated his hip and fractured it not nice at all uh, so we wish him a speedy recovery actually who the who we haven't mentioned who I am quite interested in seeing more of this season Bryce Bennett is who I'm looking forward to seeing. Great surname. That should have been your pick then, potentially. <laughs> I think it might be changing it. But he um, put in some excellent races last season. And he's not a relative youngster, but he's certainly, certainly not an elder statesman yet. So he's still... We've, we've talked about relative youngsters that have been older than this relative youngster. Okay, right. So... All right, so he's middle middle of the road age. What I'd is he? say I'd say especially for like speed events, he'd still be relative. Yeah, exactly. So he's still learning. That's my point was that he's still learning tracks, uh, and so every season that this man spends on the World Cup, manages to stay injury free, is only going to be good for his form. You know, he's still learning. He's still learning these downhill tracks. They don't change. He could. I think he might be my dark horse because he has been flying, keeping up to date with the what the, the guys are doing on the other side of the pond and he's been skiing very quick in training and I expect him to keep this upward trend of form. So he's kind of looking at him maybe for a top 10 or a top 5? Oh, certainly, certainly a top 10. I think it almost, it's got to a stage where I'd probably be a bit disappointed if he didn't get a top 10, which again is a bit of a marker of somebody that's you know established himself within the best of the best within the elites so but I think he's I think he could easily podium uh, he's certainly got podium in his locker so um, somebody to look out for maybe a little dark horse there right that's all we've got time for James thank you very much for joining me uh, and I'll go start dinner in a minute yeah good idea thank you and we will uh, catch up again soon thanks again goodbye for now <laughs>